Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our second episode of the Basement Breakdown this season. My name is Hayden Adams. I'm the sports editor at The Observer, joined by Jimmy Ward, our associate sports editor, Charlotte Edmonds, senior sports writer, and making her long-awaited return to the Basement Breakdown, senior sports writer Ellen Geyer. Ellen. return, baby. Since you did not join us last week, go ahead and introduce yourself for the good people. Hi, everybody. I'm Ellen. I'm a senior sports writer, like Hayden said, um, former associate sports editor, regular sports editor, the works. Um, I'm much less depressed than I usually am during this episode of The Basement Breakdown because we're not in the South Dining Hall basement. Um, so I can actually breathe through my nose, which is certainly a plus. Um, but yeah first game of the season i mean what did you expect from notre dame it was supposed to be an easy win and it wasn't so things are depressing as always um for those of you who don't know i am the the pessimist of the group so didn't love what i saw this past week from the irish um i think it's pretty sad that kyron williams was the leading receiver and the leading rusher um i mean ian book doesn't have anyone to throw to so it's no surprise but um Overall, 27-13 victory over Duke is not much to get excited about. So hopefully things will be a little bit better against South Florida. I'm still hung up on the fact that none of us are in a basement right now. This is, <laughs> this is not the basement breakdown. This is the Zom, PETA, Ryan, Campus Edge breakdown at the moment. No, the, the Irish Crossings now. Oh, Irish Crossings. Okay. Ryan's nice, but it's not this nice. Yeah. Yeah, you, you had one of those nice storms that had air conditioning, so you can't you can't complain. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So I was at the Duke game. Um, Ellen Ellen hit the key point. It was it was an impressive showing for the defense and special teams, um, especially seeing uh, Jay Bramblett take a fake punt, fourteen yards for a first down conversion. And uh, Jonathan Doerr, Ellen's boy, knocking down two field goals. Uh, I don't understand what your beef is with him. But anyway, um, they performed admirably. And the offense, let's say, did not live up to expectations. Uh, yeah, that's a way of putting it. Ian Book struggled early. He went 19-31. to over 250 passing, but threw an interception on the goal line, um, which would have gotten me to our predict my prediction exactly for this game. So that that's got me a little peeved. Uh, and yeah, like Ellen said, Kyron Williams, leading receiver, and uh, it's a real shame to see how far the receiver position has fallen since Chase Claypool left. Um, and Chris and Give respect to Chris Fink. And Chris Fink and Cole Komet. Although Michael Mayer stepping up, uh, looking like a man among boys as a freshman. So, yeah, it's the first game of the season. You, Kelly talked about there's difficulties with Book and his rhythm with the receivers. Uh, I wish they would have gotten Jordan Johnson or Xavier Watts a run um, when Bennett Skronik went out with a hamstring injury. Um Kyle Hamilton got hurt, but they said it was just a minor ankle sprain. He's a maybe for this weekend. If he wants to play, he can play, they said. Um, yeah, Charlotte, Jimmy, what were you guys' takeaways from the Duke game? Not, <laughs> not much more to say besides the fact that 
seemed to be lacking energy. It seemed like just when we started to get momentum, Ian Book throws a interception right on the goal line. Like, couldn't quite piece. It was kind of what I expected, honestly, where the talent of Notre Dame is still too much to overwhelm, no matter how badly or how, how badly they play or how well Duke plays. But it was not something that will hold up a few weeks down the road when they start playing obviously other opponents, Clemson notably, but even going up against a Boston College or a North Carolina, that won't pass. So I defense I thought was fine. Didn't really have much criticism of the defense. Um, it was kind of hard to see, but in terms of playing against uh, Duke. But offense left a lot of room for improvement. And I think part of it was getting those new guys, those young guys in the rotation. But I'm hopeful that or I I feel like it's necessary that in the coming this game and then the next couple weeks they're gonna have to start to figure that out because you can't can't keep that up um yeah uh it wasn't a great game for Ian Book uh he that one interception really kind of blew it for him uh but you, you have to take into account like with all other teams, they've had an extended break and they haven't they haven't been on the field in a while. So it's it's going to be a slow start. And um, I'm kind of glad we have South Florida coming up right after Duke because that's two kind of litmus tests for your your offense, your your entire team, and uh, it'll be good to see how they uh, match up against these teams that they should be able to handle easily. Yeah, so with that, we can go on and get into our uh, South Florida preview. Charlie Weiss Jr. um, making the return to South Bend as an offensive coordinator now for the Bulls. Former Clemson OC Jeff Scott taking over the reins. Um, Jimmy and Charlotte, you guys were – on uh, Here Come the Irish today to preview South Florida. So, uh, Charlotte, why don't you get us started talking about the Bulls? Yeah, so I still have my notes from that, so I'll just pull those back up. Uh, offenses under the helm of Charlie Weiss Jr., so kind of a weird little full circle coming back to that. Um, and as of now, their starting quarterback is soft, redshirt sophomore Jordan McLeod. Um, he t- took over – the reins there three games into last season and he has retained the starting position however they do play two other backups um with some significant snaps so there's always the question of whether he might get benched for that um well I guess we'll wait to see as of now though it looks like he will be starting it's against the Citadel they relied heavily on the run game they've got three running backs that they kind of bring in um led by Kelly Joyner but there's Three or two other guys that they that get significant snaps on that so it'll be interesting to see I think um, they don't have any like lethal threat that the that Notre Dame will have to target as trying to maintain um, they do have three offensive linemen who are back this game that weren't against the Citadel so might look, be a slightly different look there are three juniors who are considered kind of the anchors of their O-line so that'll be something to watch but um, the biggest thing is they're just being we don't really know I don't know much about Charlie West Jr.'s style Jeff Scott their head coach was the co-offensive coordinator at Clemson so he was part of the Trevor Lawrence dynamic pro style offense so that will be you know who knows he might have some tricks up his sleeve but 
definitely it looks like it'll be a big game for the defensive for the Notre Dame defensive line to try to stop the run game. And Jimmy, do you want to start looking at the uh, defense? Yeah. So on uh, that side of the ball, uh, Jeff Scott. Uh, really, this this entire coaching staff is really a a young group. Um, with the exception of defensive coordinator Glenn Spencer, um, he 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 spent seven seasons at Oklahoma State. Uh, he spent last year with Florida Atlantic, and he was really kind of uh, a leader in turning that defense around, uh, especially with their run defense um, against Citadel. Uh, Obviously, uh, like like uh, South Florida's offense, uh, Citadel's military academy. So they were doing triple option. They were relying heavily on the run game. It was also raining that day. So I mean, the ball was on the ground a lot. I think their uh, Citadel's quarterback went four for eighteen. So um, the the one group that really uh, kind of stood out was the secondary. Uh, they have senior defensive back, uh, KJ Sales. He's a American athletic all-conference second team player. Uh, he recorded 42 tackles last year, and he led the team with uh, five takeaways, three interceptions, and uh, two fumble recoveries. And they also have uh, Mackay LaPointe. Uh, he's a safety. He's He's actually the number one rated uh, PFF safety right now. Uh, granted, he only played 23 snaps, so <laughs> take that as you will. But uh, the the big question mark on this defensive side of the ball is uh, the the defensive line. So they've got uh, junior Dwayne Boyles, uh, junior Andrew Mims, and uh, – Antonio Greer, those are the three guys that are uh, really kind of the, the core of that linebacker group. Uh, Boyles recorded 75 tackles last year, uh, Mims 31, and Greer 58. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know if they have the speed to to uh, stop this Notre Dame run game. And uh, when when things uh, break down out of the pocket when if if Ian Book gets out of the pocket uh I think it'll be hard for this defense to to contain the mayhem that can happen when things go off script yeah so sounds like South Florida's got their hands full basically um especially with a run game against a team that had a pretty good run defense last year and this year um so far at least um so yeah uh with that, then, uh, we'll get into our predictions a little bit later. For now, uh, we can talk a little bit about news around college football. And the biggest news is that the Big Ten just announced they're coming back. Um, Ellen, as our resident Ohioan, how excited are you that the Big Ten is coming back? Guys, I'm thrilled. And I think the most exciting part for me is that this is going to be – they're coming back in the middle of October. So this timing is elite because we get – September in the beginning of October with Notre Dame and then I think our last game is maybe like November 7th and that's right as the Big Ten is going to be starting so I'm just I just want to be inundated by college football I want it to be like March Madness but with with college football that's what I want so I think I think 
it's just the only reason that the Big Ten is playing is because Ohio State just like threw too much of a fit. I think they said they were going to sue the Big Ten if they weren't allowed to play this year. So the only real team that, that this season is relevant for, in my mind, is Ohio State because they're the only title contender. Um, but it certainly will be nice to see Michigan get whooped in several games again this year. So, Oh, if there's anything we love to see here at the Observer, it's Michigan getting their butt whooped. Uh, so, yeah, and then uh, looking at the ACC slate from this past weekend, Notre Dame obviously beat Duke 27-13. Uh, Georgia Tech upset Florida State 16-13. Pitt beat Austin P 55-0. Clemson beat Wake Forest 37-13. You might have expected them to score more. And uh, Louisville beat Western Kentucky 35-21. Uh, oh, and UNC beat Syracuse 31-6. But it looked like a, a little bit of a struggle for them at certain points during that game. And then Miami beat uh UAB 31-14 but Miami's not on our schedule sadly um what do you guys think looking at the way they performed last year or the uh, last weekend uh how's Notre Dame's schedule shaping up now for me I feel like it's it's just funny because we have all the haters that are always telling us to join a conference join a conference and now I'm like okay we joined a conference and our schedule is so much easier for it so we so have Clemson on the schedule but think about all these games that disappeared honestly like playing Navy is a pain in the butt every single year that's the only game you have to prepare the, the triple option for like that's just annoying USC Stanford those are always trap games and then obviously Wisconsin disappears from the schedule like I just I just have to say it's ironic that everyone wants us to join a conference and we joined the conference and now we're gonna have in theory we should have a better season but after last game I'm not so optimistic anymore I completely agree. I think this will put all the conference lovers, it should silence them. I think they're going to realize that the situation we're in, while good for the term, for the purposes of filling a schedule in light of COVID, it is not really, it doesn't make our schedule any stronger. Um, and I don't, I don't think that much has changed in the last week. Um, I think really anymore now, it's just, as we've said from the beginning, there's just so much writing on every game because a loss is really bad if you're Notre Dame, but there's so much writing on those two or three games of substance. So the Clemson, North Carolina, Boston College set, there you have to make a statement at those because that's all people are going off of. Yeah, so with that, uh, bless the sweet Lord above, we've got other Notre Dame sports to talk about. Uh, Men's soccer, women's soccer, and cross country all making their returns this uh, week. We're recording this on a Wednesday night. Men's soccer plays Kentucky at home tomorrow. Oh, that, that tears my heart apart, my Wildcats and my Irish. Uh, and then uh, that's at home. The women's team's traveling down to Tallahassee to play Florida State tomorrow. And then they'll play Miami on the road a couple days later. And then cross countries hosting the Irish Classic. Uh, and with that, we'll move on to Factor Fiction. I think all our fans have been waiting with bated breath for this to return. So, does anyone have one ready to go? If not, I've got one. All right, I'll throw it out there. So, Ellen mentioned this a little bit. She said it was disappointing to see Kyron Williams as the leading receiver 
last week. Fact or fiction, a Notre Dame receiver is the leading receiver against South Florida. I'm going to say fiction. I think I think one of the tight ends are going to have a good game. That's what I was going to say, Shar. Fiction because it's it's got to be it's got to be a tight end. But I'm also kind of on the Kyron Williams fan train, so I wouldn't I would be also up for that, but I still think it's going to be the tight ends. Jimmy, what's the verdict? I'm going to agree with you, Hayden. Uh, I think well, I've, I've Braden, what I think. Oh, fact. Okay, I, uh, I think a wide receiver is going to. Yeah. Yes. Fact. Fact. I think uh, Braden Lindsay coming back. Uh, he, he has so much speed, and even with this talent, talented uh, South Florida secondary, I think uh, you know he can. You get the ball to the middle of the field. He could uh, he could bust a jet sweep for 50, 60 yards. That's a touchdown right there. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Braden Lindsay racks up 150 yards of receiving and maybe a couple touchdowns. You got a good point. Honestly, though, I think I'm going to go fiction too. I think because the jet sweep actually counts as rushing yards, and I think Book might have a little trouble with him, like he did with the receivers last week. It's probably going to be either Kyron Williams again or a tight end, in my opinion. All right, who's up next? I have one. Um, fact or fiction, Ian Book is not in the top three leading rushers. Okay, so you got Kyron's going to be one. It's either going to be – okay, so the question is – do Chris Tyree and Braden Lindsay make the other two spots or does Book sneak in? I'm going to say – I'm going to say he does not make the top three rushers. I'm going to say fiction. I think he's going to be in the top three rushers. I think he'll have a lot of room to create out of the pocket. And I – I just don't think that we have a proven back who like dominates snaps enough to try to, I, th I think book will be in the top three. Yeah, I agree. I've, I feel like uh, he, he, there were times against Duke when he got out of the pocket, but he kind of felt he was like he was holding back. Uh, I feel like he could, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe Brian Kelly was telling him just throw it away, dump it out. Uh, I think I think he'll tuck it under and run against South Florida. Ellen, what's your verdict? Mm, I want to I want to say fiction. Think fact. No, 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 other way around. I I think I wish he wouldn't be in the top three, but I think he will be because I think I think he should play. A quarter enough, maybe maybe even less than that, because like, can be like South Florida. Who cares? But I do think he's just he. In my mind, and this is what I've always said, I just think he's too antsy and he runs like he doesn't spend enough time in the pocket. He just he just goes without looking, and especially now since he doesn't have any targets, 
he has he doesn't have one wide out that he trusts yet. So I think he's just going to tuck it and run. Um, so I think he'll actually rack up a lot. And I and I don't think that they'll be winning as handily as they should be at halftime. So I think he'll be in in the third quarter and just keep keep getting yards. Yeah, Brian Kelly said at some point that he always likes to have his quarterbacks in for at least one series in the third quarter. So, yeah, I can see where you're coming from there. Um, I, yeah. Jimmy, Charlotte, you guys? I can take another hot take on Ian Book. Ian Book gets benched this season. Fact! 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 Okay, that's, that's... Charlotte, you know how I feel about him. <laughs> <laughs> we're, keeping, we're keeping Connor Mulvina's dream alive right now. My goodness. Um, Ellen, you're letting your emotions get the better of you right now. You're not thinking rationally. We have to shout out Connor Mulvina in every podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm saying <laughs> From what I've heard, they like Brendan Clark. They like Drew Pine, but Pine's just a freshman and Clark. He, he's got a good arm, but he's kind of throwing it all over the place. And Book's a third-year starter. I think I think Kelly's going to stick it out because Book's been through it, and in a time of COVID when everything's so chaotic, you want someone with experience. So I think he's he's going to lean. Now you're not counting injuries, though, right? Um, originally I was thinking not injuries, but because I think that makes it too easy. There's there's a higher likelihood that he's out for injuries, but I I think it's interesting to think. Can Kelly go a whole season without entertaining another quarterback? For me, like, I, again, Hayden said it best because I did let my emotions get in the way. I want it to be fact so desperately, but I know in my heart of hearts that it is fiction because of the Ian Book, Brian Kelly love affair that I've had to suffer through for the past however many years. So, Ian Book, if you're listening to this podcast, you can read my column from last year, and I live in Irish Crossings, so you can come speak with me about it there. All right, Jimmy. Are you the cool, calm, and measured one of this group? I'm giving another peer pressure here. Uh, I'm going to go with fact. I think I'd go so far as to say uh, that if he were to get – they were to try that this season, he, he'd get benched in the South Florida game. And when South Florida is getting blown out and they want to experiment with the offense, I, I see that as a very likely possibility. Yeah, but that's about as far as they're going to go, right? Like, they're not, they're not benching him down the road. I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Oh, Connor's so disappointed. All right. Jimmy, you got one for us? Um, let's go. Fact or fiction, Irish defense can hold Bulls to under 10 digits scoring. You mean under 10 points? 10 points. 10 points, yeah. Sorry, 10 digits. Fact, yeah. Tired. Yeah. I think they missed an extra point in their game uh, against the Citadel. So, yeah, I'm definitely going fact. I'm going to say fact because I, I'm going to say that this – I'm going to be optimistic for once in my life and say that this first two games is going to be like um, Louisville Bowling Green from last year. Bit of a just abysmal showing from Louisville blowout against – or wait, no, that was New Mexico. We played New Mexico, second game. 
So I'm going to say that this is going to be like New Mexico. Um, and we will hopefully take care of business early. Yeah, I'm going to hop on that take with Ellen. I also think that there will be an aspect of like, the environment makes a big difference. And that was, there were parts of the game that were like, better than I had expected parts that I think were still pretty disappointing. So I think fans will kind of figure it out. I think the team will adjust to that. I think I have higher hopes for this week. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I fact. Uh, I agree with Ellen. Uh, I think the, the defense has so much depth. They can throw guys in there just willy nilly and get things done. Uh, and I don't think South Florida has the talent or speed to um, put up points on this defense, even without Kyle Hamilton if he doesn't play, which I don't, I don't think he will. All right. So that concludes the first factor fiction of the year. Wow. It's good to be back, folks. So now – make new at the beginning of the season. Yep. So now we are on to our predictions – uh, does anyone want to take the lead on this, or I can do it too? All right, I'll get us rolling. Okay. So, yeah, I, I beat the drum hard on how the season opener was going to look sloppy like the Louisville game last year. Um, this was a little sloppier than I even expected, though, especially from the offense, because the sloppiness last year was the defense, and the defense looked really good this game. So. All that I've heard about how Book has struggled with the receivers and how essentially he just – he had these jitters because it was the first game and everyone's so excited to be back in the stadium and to have a bigger crowd than they expected. I think that even Book can calm down a little bit. If there's one thing we know about Ian Book, it's that he dominates against the, the lesser teams on the schedule, even if he doesn't play up to the stiffer competition. So I think that Notre Dame's going to roll against South Florida. I mean, they put up 27 on the Citadel. So uh, I've got them where they're dominating. Ian Book comes out in the third quarter. They get Brendan Clark and maybe even Drew Pine, both a couple of series, or at least a couple of series for one of them, one for the other. Um, one of them at least throws a touchdown. And one of the running backs, hopefully Chris Tyree, uh, gets their own score. So I got Notre Dame winning 52 to 9. Who's up next? I'll take okay. it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Jimmy, you want it? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I I agree with you, Hayden. I think the, the Notre Dame offense is going to run away with this one. Uh, I think, I, like I said earlier, I think Brandon, Brandon Lindsay being back, uh, I think he'll have a huge game if he's um, actually 100% healthy. Uh, I think, uh, like you guys said earlier, tight ends are also going to have huge days. Uh, Kyron Williams. Uh, I'd say 48-6. I'll go next. Um, I actually think this game is going to be really fun in a, a weird way. Like, I think – I remember the New Mexico game. We got a little bit of, like, Javon McKinley dodging six tackles, Braden Lindsay running, like, 70 yards for a touchdown, like, some fun plays, um, kind of like a glorified high school game, not to diminish it, but just kind of people, they seem more relaxed. 
So I think that there's potential for this. I think it'll kind of play out as things did last season, not to overlook South Florida. I mean, they beat us in 2011. It's not like they're, it's not the same as New Mexico, but I still just don't think that they have the depth or the talent that Notre Dame has. So I, at the same time, I do expect that South Florida might try to pull some tricks of their own. Um, I don't think they'll be as successful, but we might see some random trick plays or just some people that we hadn't expected to see in their lineup make appearances. So I'm going to go 41, 42, thinking about math. No, I'm going to go 45, 7. 4510. That's my that's my final answer. 4510. I'm glad you said that cuz you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say 457. I think I think I'm I'm going to be cautiously optimistic for this game. I think Ian Book has as we said as we've said this whole time, he has no sense of rhythm with his receivers yet. I think he's really going to try to get into that in this game because it's just going to be more relaxed. Second game of the season, home crowd, really trying to just get into the swing of, the swing of things. So I think he's going to find that rhythm in the first quarter early. I think Tyron Williams is going to have a day again. I think we're going to see a lot, of more, action, a lot more action from the tight ends. Um, and I just think, yeah, I think it was Jimmy who said earlier, like even if – even if Notre Dame doesn't have a good day, like South Florida just can't compete with the level of talent that Notre Dame has. Um, so I'm going to say 45-7 Irish. All right, there you have it, folks. Um, so should I should I trash Kirk Herbstreet in Connor's honor right now? That's also in the contract. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot to read the fine print on that one. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet sucks. Paul Feinbaum sucks. Um, yeah. Skip Bayless sucks. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, we should overrun ESPN. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just us and the Notre Dame people, Hannah Storm leading charge on that one. Um, all right, so that's everything for us. Uh, on behalf of Jimmy, Charlotte, Ellen, and Aiden, who could not be here, signing off, not from the basement breakdown, from, uh, from the basement of South Dining Hall, but from the glorious Zom House. This uh. is... All right, yeah, sorry. For the basement breakdown, this is Hayden Adams.